Sophie herself, and, uh, and now you're just going to hear from me just for a little bit, not, not that long, uh, really, at all. And as I mentioned, just in case you weren't here earlier on, my name is Quincy, one of the leaders here at the King's Church family, and uh, yeah, um, I've been around a little while, um, but today I'm just going to start, um, <clears throat> start with this, hang on. So call me a cynic, but I used to think that boat companies sold rope just to raise sails. Oh, some of you got it. That's good. That's good. I saw some people the other day, actually, um, they were in a competition, seeing who could make the most knots in a piece of rope, but it ended up a tie. Um, and I was going to tell you a joke about um, a jump rope, but I'm going to skip it, so don't worry. Okay, so I've told a lot of jokes in my life. I have, as you can tell, you're like, please stop, stop, I'm going to leave, stop. But uh, I've told a lot of jokes in my life, and uh, I remember back in many years ago, I used to learn cracker jokes. Uh, to tell to people. And I got some laughs out of it, uh, which is all right, among my friends like as a young, young kid, early teens. And then as a, uh, as a teenager, I got on something called MSN Messenger. Does anyone remember MSN Messenger? Yeah, yeah. Chatting to your friends. And you know that dial-up machine? You know when it's making all that noise? That's just a recorded sound. Ridiculous. Anyway, uh, MSN Messenger, back in the day, you could talk to people, a bit like you can on WhatsApp now, but you needed the internet at the time to dial into your house. And I used to talk to friends, but sometimes on MSN, I would, I would get the contact of a, of a girl I quite liked. And I would speak on MSN Messenger, tap, 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 emojis, tap, tap, tap. And I was in it for the thrills. I was in it to try and uh, draw the person towards me, saying things on MSN that I would just never say face to face, saying things that were outside of myself. And sometimes when I was on MSN, I crossed the line because I went too far. I went too far and said some things that weren't true or said some things that uh, were unhelpful or misleading. And I did it all because I wanted those emojis. I wanted those kisses at the end. I wanted the, the love, the affirmation. And that's what I was really going after. And as I got older, uh, I've noticed this trend kind of continued, but it just changed shape along the way. And so uh, in my 20s, I could found I could write poems quite quickly. So I'd write poems for people's birthdays that were specific to them. And I gained a bit of affirmation for that, and that was good too. And uh, I was at school, um, and I was quite a good lad as well. Uh, I, I liked the affirmation of the teacher, never did anything deliberately wrong. Uh, and I know it works both ways. Sometimes you get the attention if you do stuff wrong and, uh, and that. But I went for the other side of that. I went trying to be good and gain aff affirmation that way. And I found that if I ever did get in trouble, I took it pretty badly. Uh, I once had a nosebleed in year seven, and uh, I didn't know what to do, so I just cried <laughs> and uh, got taken out of my geography lesson for that. I hadn't done anything wrong. I just had a nosebleed. That's all it was. But I found that too, quite hard to bear as well. And then, like I say, as an, a young adult, aside from writing poems, I always found that I would say yes to people's requests. If anyone needed something, if anyone wanted something, I was the guy. I was, I was the yes man. I was like, yes, yes, I'll do whatever it takes to make you happy. But I wasn't really doing it to make them happy. I was really doing it because I wanted the love and I wanted the affirmation. I wanted to do it so they would like me more. And I look back now and I see actually at the root of all of these things and the experiences that I've just described is a deep desire that was evident in me from childhood to be loved. And to be known and to be wanted by people as well. And maybe you can relate to that. Maybe we can all relate to some of those experiences. Or maybe you've got some examples of your own. Um, or maybe you've been on the end of the more painful side, which is knowing what it's like not to be loved. 
or known or wanted, and that's painful for you. Well, whatever your experience of love or rejection is in life so far, I think it's probably fair to say that we can all recognize that deep need. We can see that need in everyone, and love itself, really, I guess uh, the movies might have taught us something, but one thing I've picked up is that it's It seems that love is often a bit like water. It kind of flows from person to person, and it fuels life, and we all want it, and we all need it. And we go in search of all sorts of other things, it seems, to meet this need. Uh, It could be getting up uh, perhaps early to study to get those top grades in school, or it could be um, going after wealth and spectacular uh, purchases, or it could be getting into the gym early, 4 a.m., every day. That's not me, by the way. I I just couldn't do it. Couldn't do that, but, but people might be going after that perfect physical uh, body, or they could be seeking maybe a dream partner or something like that. And we go in search of these things, satisfaction, fulfillment, love, being known and wanted. But truly, we all know that these things are fleeting, temporary, and ultimately don't satisfy. Deep down, we know that we want something more permanent that's never going to end. And so what is it that we really need? What is it that we truly want? Well, the good news is that we're not the first people to ask this question. Um, Men and women back in Jesus' day were asking the same thing. And we're going to look at a passage now from something called the Gospel of John, which is a biography of Jesus' life. Jesus, who we here believe is God, God's Son, part of the Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And we pick up the story about Jesus' life here when he's around 30 years old, and he, he was a carpenter using his hands every day, and he becomes a rabbi or a teacher. And at this point in the story, he's called some disciples um, to follow him. He's performed some miracles. He's started to cause a stir because some people have started to realize this guy is doing a lot of the things that the Messiah, the long-awaited Messiah, might have done or suggested that he would do. And some of the people have begun to twig. And so we're going to read a little story now. Uh, I'm going to read the whole passage to you, and I'll just comment a little bit along the way just to break it up because it is a bit long, but that's okay. So Jesus, he's just, uh, yeah, he's just about to change location. It says, now, when Jesus learned that the Pharisees, that's the really religious people, had heard that Jesus was making and baptizing more disciples than John, although Jesus himself did not baptize but only his disciples, he left Judea and he departed again for Galilee, and he had to pass through Samaria. So he came to a town of Samaria called Sychar, near the field that Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, so Jesus, wearied as he was from the journey, was sitting beside the well. It was about the sixth hour. That's midday. It's a hot day, like this. He's walking across an arid land. Then a woman from Samaria came to draw water, and Jesus said to her, Give me a drink, for his disciples had gone away into the city to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, How is it that you, a Jew, ask for a drink from me, a woman of Samaria? For Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. Jesus answered her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is that is saying to you, Give me a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. The woman said to him, Sir, you have nothing to draw water with, and the well is deep. Where do you get that living water? Are you greater than our father, Jacob? He gave us the well and drank from it himself, as did his sons and his livestock. Jesus said to her, Everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty again. 
But whoever drinks of the water that I will give him will never be thirsty again. The water that I will give him will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water so that I will not be thirsty or have to come here to draw water. Then it just gets a little bit edgy in the text because she says that. And then Jesus said to her, Go, call your husband and come here. The woman answered him, I have no husband. Jesus said to her, you are right in saying I have no husband, for you have had five husbands, and the one you now have is not your husband. What you have said is true. The woman said to him, sir, I perceive that you are a prophet. Our fathers worshipped on this mountain, but you say that in Jerusalem is the place where people ought to worship. Jesus said to her, woman, believe me, the hour is coming when neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem will you worship the Father. You worship what you do not know. We worship what we know, for salvation is from the Jews. But the hour is coming and is now here when the true worshippers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth, for the Father is seeking such people to worship him. God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. The woman said to him, I know that Messiah is coming, he who is called Christ. When he comes, he will tell us all things. Jesus said to her, I who speak to you am he. Just then, his disciples came back. They marveled at that he was talking with a woman, but no one said, what do you seek, or why are you talking with her? So the woman left her water jar and went away into town and said to the people, come, see a man who told me all I ever did. Can this be the Christ? They went out of the town and were coming to him. Well done. Quite a long passage there, but a fascinating one, which, of course, we could unpack and unpack for hours, but we're not going to do that. We're just going to spend a few minutes looking at it. But I want to go right back to the top of the passage where he talked about baptism, because that's what we're doing today. You walked past the pool on the way in, and in Jesus' day, people were being baptized as a sort of purification rite to follow him into Jesus' name. And just like today, those people were baptized into that followership of Jesus. They were joining him. Uh, and going with him. And it was for a really good reason. And, uh, and just like you have to have a really good reason to get into a pool fully clothed, uh, Sophie has a really good reason for getting baptized today. And that is because she knows what Jesus went on to do after this passage in Scripture. She knows Jesus went on to lay down his life for those he loved, dying on the cross before being raised to life once again, as she said in her testimony. And I just want to spend a moment explaining what is going to happen out there today when we all gather around the pool. You see, Sophie is now a born-again Christian. She's confessed that she is a sinner. She's repented. That means turned away from her sin, and she's put her faith in Jesus. She surrendered her whole life, not just certain areas, her whole life to him. And now she's going to demonstrate uh, Jesus' death, life, and resurrection uh, death and resurrection in baptism. So this is what's going to happen. When, when we're there in the pool and Sophie uh, professes her faith in Jesus, we're going to go down into the water. And when she's going down into the water, she's saying this. She's saying, Lord Jesus, you died on the cross for me. Not quite in slow motion, right? Oh, you rode across for me. You died on the cross for me. For now my old life is dead. I've broken with sin. It's gone. And then when she's under the water, she's saying, in a gargly voice, Lord, Lord, Lord. no, only joking. She's saying, Lord, just as you were buried in the tomb, so my old sinful life is now buried in the water. This baptism is my funeral. Job done. 
And then when she's coming up out the water and you're all going, woo, she's saying this. She's going, Lord, you were raised from the dead by God's power. And by that power, I can now live a totally new life. She's not going to try and live a totally new life in her own power, in her own strength. That, that doesn't happen. For Christians, born-again Christians, we need God's power. She's still going to mess up. She's still going to make mistakes. She's still going to sin. But the key is she's forgiven because of Jesus. That's the difference. And she's going to live out that life in Jesus' power, God's power. And she'll be born of water. And there's a lot of water at natural birth, as some of you know. And there's a lot of water out there today as well. And after we bring her up, we're going to pray for Sophie and ask God to fill her with the Holy Spirit. That way she'll be born of water and born of the Spirit. And so we're going to come back to our passage now, all about Jesus and this Samaritan woman. And it's a hot day. Jesus has sat down by the well. And what you need to know about this is that Jews and Samaritans do not get on. They are not friends. They have a shared heritage, um, which then was divided at a certain point in history. And Jews and Samaritans, they don't observe each other as having the truth. Whereas actually, um, Jesus goes on to talk a little bit more about that. And so they don't talk. A lot of strict Jews in that day would have totally avoided Samaria. They would have gone miles and miles out of their way just not to go through the territory. But Jesus goes into enemy territory in that sense and takes his team across that land, and they sit down by this well. And, uh, and whenever I read a passage like this, whenever I'm reading a story, I like to ask questions. I like to know, uh, think things through a little bit. And I was thinking, all right, I know why Jesus is there. He stopped for a drink. But, but why is this woman there? Why has she come out in the middle of the day, hot sun, on her own, unaccompanied, when actually lots of people would have come at the start of the day? In fact, a group perhaps would have come at the start of the day when it was much cooler. And so that question was really in my mind as I started to read it, and we'll find out about that later. And so then a conversation begins, and it's not long before it gets a little bit cryptic, uh, and there's not a, a polite no from, uh, from the Samaritan woman. She asks Jesus a question. She says, how is it that you, a Jew, ask for a drink from me, a woman of Samaria? And then Jesus asks, uh, uh, then Jesus says something a little bit cryptic back. He says, if you knew the gift of God... And who it is that is saying to you, give me a drink, you would have asked him. And he would have given you living water. And she's still thinking that Jesus is talking about literal water. And so she asks him some questions. She says, how are you going to get it? It's really low down in the ground. It's way down. You haven't got a bucket. You haven't got any rope. What's going on? No, no rope. And ultimately, Jesus then drops in a bit of a clangor. He says to her, everyone who drinks of this water in the well will be thirsty again, but whoever drinks of the water that I will give him will never be thirsty again. The water that I will give him will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. Jesus promises to give thirst-quenching water that you can't get anywhere else. Water that will overflow like a fountain from within, and it's an amazing promise. Now, understandably, the Samaritan woman wants this water. She's like, where can I get it? I don't want to be thirsty, and I don't want to have to come out here again and ask Jesus, where is it? But the penny hasn't quite dropped for her yet, and so the conversation continues. And there's this another mind-blowing moment, uh, really, in the passage. Uh, rather than handing over the water Jesus has been talking about, he wants to show this woman how well she is loved and how well she is known by God. And so he draws her out saying, go and get your husband. And then, she tells, then he tells her, 
when she says, I have no husband, she says, he says, no, you're right, you don't. You had five husbands, and we don't know the context. They might have died. They might have been divorced. We don't know what the situation is. But the person she's with now is not her husband, but she's with another guy. And Jesus has a word of knowledge. He's God, remember. He knows this stuff, and he draws her out. But he doesn't condemn her and doesn't slap her down because of these things. He says, I know this about you, and then and says to her, what you said is, it is true. And she kind of looks at him, and I wonder whether your eyes would be wide at this point or whether your eyes would be squinty like this. And you'd look at him and go, and she goes, sir, I perceive you are a prophet. Jesus has revealed more about her than is comfortable for her to bear, which causes her to deflect away from the subject. And, and maybe it's just me, but maybe you've done that. Maybe you've been a part of a conversation, and then it goes near to a subject you don't really want to talk about, and so then you just talk about something else. Uh, Did you see that thing last week? Oh, yeah, no, yeah. And then you kind of take it away. Well, she kind of does a similar thing. She deflects to talking about worship and the difference between Jews and Samaritans. But actually, they come back to something that both agree on. After discussing this briefly, the lady says to Jesus, I know that Messiah is coming. He who is called Christ, that means Savior, when he comes, he will tell us all things. And then there's this movie moment where like the camera like zooms in. I imagine it in my mind when I read it on Jesus' face, and he almost whispers it. I who speak to you am he. Whoa, that must have been an amazing moment for this woman. She's learned, she's speaking to the Messiah. She's speaking to God's long-awaited Savior and God's Son. And it's a movie moment because all is revealed to this woman, an enemy of the Jews. And Jesus, I love it because Jesus shows this broken, hurt woman great compassion and love. As has been revealed by this woman's lifestyle and story, she was likely to be well-known in the town for her relationship. She might have been rejected or abused. She might have been hurt. And she's probably come out to the well in the middle of the day so she doesn't have to see or speak to anybody else. And look, who has she found? Or better still, who has found her? Jesus at the well. And he's full of kindness. He's full of patience. He shows her who he really is. And as a result, a bit like Sophie... It says this in verses 28 to 30. So the woman left her water jar and went away into the town and said to the people, Come, see a man who told me all I ever did. Can this be the Christ? They went out of the town and they were coming to him. And the people who come and see have already witnessed something. They've already witnessed a transformation in this woman's life. And perhaps you're a friend or relative of Sophie today. Maybe you've seen a bit of transformation in her life, as she described in her testimony. Well, these people come out trying to find the source of whatever has happened inside this woman. They come for living water. And living water in the New Testament is referred to and it, uh, a few times. And it actually is speaking of the Holy Spirit, God's Holy Spirit coming and pouring out. In John chapter 7, Jesus tells people the same thing. He says, anyone can come. In Revelation 17, 22, it's an invitation. Come and be filled with this living water that will never run out, which is the Holy Spirit, which is accessed through faith in, G- in Jesus. And the key thing about this is it's an invitation to this woman to come to Jesus, to come and put her faith in him, to come and 
receive something, like Bami said earlier on, for free. The gift of eternal life is free. He didn't say, come and get eternal life or or a living water and it'll cost you this much. He said, no, come and receive it for free. It's It's water that represents God's love for us in that sense. And people are invited to come and fill themselves with the living water. And that was the invitation made to the woman. And Jesus makes the promise that anyone who comes to him will receive that. And the same promise is made to you and I. It was revealed that the Samaritan woman had gone after everything else, perhaps in terms of relationships, looking for love and acceptance, perhaps getting through those several partners. And it was really probably a really painful moment to have to endure that for a moment. But then the relief that she wasn't condemned must have been amazing. She would have carried shame and rejection and guilt because of all her sins, which, again, we can all relate to. We've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. No one in here is perfect. And maybe you can relate to the woman. Maybe you've gone after the pursuit of love only to be disappointed and hurt in relationship. Or maybe you've gone the other way and you've tried to numb the pain of past hurt by trying to forget or trying to push things down. You might have gone into drugs or alcohol to try and suppress the need, but deep down you know that those are not the solution to this problem. Well, let me say this. Regardless of whatever has happened in your life, Jesus loves you. He loves you regardless of what might have happened. There is kindness, compassion, patience, and love to be found in Jesus. He knows all that stuff that you've never told anyone. He wants you to come to him like the woman in the passage and find grace and find peace in him. It says in John chapter 3, verses 16 and 17, just the, just the chapter before, for God so loved the world, that's all of us, that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. Salvation from sin is key. God doesn't want anyone here to be separated from him by sin. He doesn't want anyone here to go to hell when they die and be separated from him from eternity. He wants you to come to the knowledge of the truth like Sophie did and turn away from your sin and put your faith in him and with the promise that it will be great and wonderful. It won't be easy. It will be challenging, but it will be better than anything you've ever tasted like that living water. And you can start afresh today, you can be born again, have a clean slate, and know you're loved and wanted by God. I just want you to imagine for a moment, if we all accepted that offer of living water from Jesus, who wants us and loves us, imagine your life, perhaps, or maybe the life of your family. No more anxiety, no more insecurity in our relationships, no more depression, no more tension, Because we'd no longer be thirsty for people's affirmation like I might have been as a child. We'll no longer go after uh, temporary love because we'd know we are loved through and through, no matter what. We'd no longer be envious or disappointed because we have the best thing ever, an ongoing, unchanging, loving relationship with our God and Father in heaven. That's where we would be if we all accepted the offer. And if you take one thing away from today, if you forget nothing else apart from splash and nothing else, just remember this. God knows you. God loves you. And God wants you. 
That's what's taken place in Sophie's life. She knows those things. She humbled herself because it is humbling to say, I got it wrong. She's dropped her pride. She's cried out for forgiveness, and she's brand new today because of that. And so now I kind of come back to my, my rope. I imagine a lot of you have been wondering, why on earth did he tell us those rubbish jokes and uh, put a rope out on the floor? Well, it's, it's there because in a moment, I want to invite people to come up and step up to the rope. Do you remember when I said earlier on, when I was young and I sinned, I crossed the line? Well, we've all crossed the line. We've all sinned. We've all gone too far. We know it. Deep down, we, we, we are hurt, and we know that, and we need healing. We need salvation. And so I want to make that invitation in a moment to you because it's a line of faith that anyone can cross this morning or, or you just want to meet with God. You just want that living water. You're thirsty. You want a drink. Well, you can come today and we'll pray with you because perhaps, perhaps you've come to the, to the end of your tether in life. Maybe that's it. You've come to the end of things. You tried everything else. You're done. Or maybe it's more of a tug of war, which I think is what this rope was actually originally for. Uh, to, to within you. You're thinking, I want this, but I want that, and I can't decide. Well, you can drop it today, and you can come to Jesus. If that war is going on inside you, it's, it's time to bring it to a stop. Or maybe you're just thirsty. Maybe you just want that loving, ongoing relationship with God that you see others enjoying, and, and you thought you weren't good enough, but today, perhaps, and I pray this is true, you've realized it's not actually about being good enough to become a Christian. You come as you are, you drop your pride and you submit to Jesus and you say, I'm thirsty, I need a drink and I want you to come today. And so we're going to pray and then I'm going to invite anyone who wants to do that today to meet with God, to receive that freedom, that living water to come. Um, but if you want to, you can close your eyes with me and we'll pray. Father, I do pray right now, come. Come by your Holy Spirit, be glorified. We thank you for your great gospel. We thank you that you make this invitation to anyone who wants to today to be filled with living water, to receive salvation from sin, to receive a new life in Jesus' name. And Lord, I pray that you would settle upon us right now. I pray that we would be sensitive to you and that we would respond to you. We want to see your name glorified throughout the earth. We want to see souls set free for your glory. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Just while perhaps you're meditating, maybe you can keep your eyes closed if you want to for a moment. I'm going to make this invitation. If you want any of what I've just described, come now and stand. And we'll pray with you. We'll just wait, just for a moment. Come.